I'm glad you're uh, deciding to tune in again. I hope that uh, this last week, Easter, was as encouraging to you as it was to me um, to know that we were singing together, to know that we were um, together in spirit in those moments, um, and to, to pray and to fast on Friday, and then to celebrate and to live in this real hope, this real untouchable, everlasting hope uh, that is present. Um, and that we can truly take refuge in that. The saving work of Jesus uh, is awesome. And along with that, uh, the meal that happened right after service, um, we served over 170 people that came through. You guys were respectful. We, we were able to do it in a safe way. Um, the meal was good. And then on top of that, not only did it bring hope, I think, through the food, but we would, through your donations, we received over $1,500 uh, that we were able to give to the local food pantry at St. Suzanne's. Thank you so much, not only for giving to that, but just continuing to be faithful in your giving in general. Uh, our mission partners around the world, uh, our staff, uh, just everything that's going on here, just from the bottom of our heart, the, elder, uh, bottom of our heart, the elders, I just want to say thank you for your generosity and your continued faithfulness in that. And it is bringing hope. And I, I thank you. Uh, I want to let you know uh, we are going to be starting a new sermon series this next week. Um, so that doesn't give you permission just to tune out right now. I don't want you to think that. Um, but next week you'll be seeing a little bit more information about the, the things that we're going to jump into. But today I wanted to take a chance to um, give you a little bit of my heart. Um, you know, this is obviously the times are ever-changing and this, the last month has been so different than I think any of us expected or even have experienced before. And so I wanted to kind of encapsulate my heart in, in a way to just talk to you and encourage you and uh, to give you some things to focus on and some strength. And I don't know if there's a better way to do it than to, to run to what I feel like encourages me most in the Bible, um, a letter that was written literally over a thousand years ago that encouraged the local church that I think still speaks today. And so today is literally titled, A Letter to the Church in Philippi. But underneath it, it says, Peace be with you. And I think this letter that we're going to uh, listen to, we're going to hear about, that we're going we're gonna to read and respond to, was a letter that was written by Paul to a church in Philippi, an Eastern European city, that had been recently planted, that was new to the faith, but was up against some of their own, not pandemics, but their own issues and struggles, and they had their own restrictions and limitations on what they could do. But the letter itself, um, it would have been something that Paul wrote and then was taken by a, by a person, and then they would have been presented to the church. And it would have been something that the church would have gathered, and they would have heard it, and then they would have taken that encouragement with them. And so like Paul, I feel like that right now, where I can't be with you in spirit. I can't, I can't be with you and encourage you and, and put my hand on your shoulder and tell you it's going to be okay and that Jesus is with you. And like Paul, the, the distance between us, even though it's a lot shorter than Paul would have experienced, there's this feeling that I, I want to be able to look you in the eye and, and tell you that in person, but it's not possible. And so, like Paul had to use the technology at the time to take advantage of that to encourage the local church. That's what we're doing, and that's what I want to do. I want to take advantage of the opportunity with the technology and the, and the internet and these cameras um, and this video to encourage you and to tell you that the message that Paul was telling this church is the message that I would love for you to hear still. And so what I'm going to do is lay out the book of Philippians in a simple way, but it's going to be a way that I think at the end you will see why. You will see why this letter would have been something that would have been cherished, 
that you would see why this letter is something that's worth reading if you have never read it before, the book of Philippians. And it's worth remembering that this is something that still speaks and still has power. So that being said, uh, I want you to hear the words that Paul uses at the very beginning in chapter 1 as the intro to why I would choose this beyond what I've just said. But the intro is this. It's in 1 Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 6. Once he's gotten over his greeting of telling you who's writing it, Paul and Timothy, he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. If there is anything that I want you to hear, I want you to hear this. I am praying with confidence that that I'm still with you and that God is with you. I am praying with confidence that you will feel this, that, that I, we as a church, I as, as, as lead pastor, as a staff, as the elders, we are with you. Um, we, we want you to know that we have not left you out. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. We are with you. And that God is with you too. That the gospel is still with you. That God still cares about you. And that he has a plan for your life. Now, that... I hope is an encouragement. That's just the beginning of this letter. Paul's writing and using the technology, he said, to encourage, to say, even though I'm not there in body, I am with you in spirit, and God is too. But the book of Philippians, where its power draws from, is this center poem. Paul is a brilliant writer whose books are studied not even at the lowest level, at the highest level of academia. His letters are still studied today because of the way he writes them. And at the center of Paul's letter to the Philippians, he has this small poem that he writes that encapsulates the Easter story. And it's fitting that a week after Easter, this small poem does such a brilliant job of telling you why Easter, why Jesus is still worthy, is still the reason that we can celebrate and have hope. And it's still something that each day we're going to need to carry with us. Not just on that Sunday, but every day. The Bible Project, a YouTube channel, has an amazing small little snippet out of their whole explanation of Philippians that does such a great job of laying out why the center piece in chapter 2, just a few verses, is so important to understanding the entire book of Philippians and the entire heart of Paul. I want to take a moment, it's just just over a couple minutes, I want you to listen and watch as Tim Mackey, the, um, auto, the uh, I guess the commentator on this video, lays out just this middle section of poem in Philippians. Check this video out for just the next couple minutes and I'll be right back. Let's watch this together. love having access to videos like that. They give us such a, a keen understanding of some things that at times seem complex and because they are, but then are simplistic in their message. I know for me, uh, knowing this, that we are trusting in the finished work of Jesus is the point of that whole thing. It's this idea of we can trust because Jesus, who Jesus is, and we can trust his finished work. That, that idea, that encapsulated is, is so needed for me at these times, and I know it's needed for you. And that's why Paul put that at the center of this work, is he wants you to know we can trust. We are trusting in the finished work of Jesus. And so out of that, just like the conclusion of that, that Jesus sets an example then for us to carry out, to continue forward. And it's fitting that after 
Easter, now moving towards this next uh, you know, week, moving towards this next month, moving towards the, the rest of this year, we need to take that empty tomb, that mentality of self-sacrificial love and that example of humility and, and move it into our own lives and use it as an example worth following and worth carrying out. And so Paul uses that poem then to launch into some great things to learn. And here's what he says just after the ending of that poem, which is in verse 11 of chapter 2. In verse 12, he says this, Therefore, what's the therefore? That's the Easter part. <laughs> therefore, because of Easter. Therefore, because we have Jesus. Therefore, because we can trust in Him. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence, but very much more in my absence. Man, this is, can you see my heart in this? Our elders' hearts, the, the staff, this is it. This is just because we're not together. Listen, I, wanna, I, want, I know you're obeying. I know you're going to move forward. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That fear and trembling, it, it, at first we see that, and that's why English is such a difficult translation. Fear and trembling here is not the idea of like cowering or like responding because you're scared. This is an idea of understanding how big God is and how strong he is and you respect him and you respect his authority and you respect what he's done and so fear and trembling is actually a sign of going you are greater and I am not as good this is an idea of knowing that they, he could in an instant wipe you out he did not have to rescue you he is bigger and stronger so you work out your salvation in respect in respect in fear and trembling and understanding that God is Big. In fact, that's exactly what Proverbs says, is the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And so this is that concept. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. I love that concept. Just go back to that one thought real quick. For it is God who works uh, in you to will and to act. To will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. God is capable of using broken, lonely, dirty people just like a tomb or a grave can be the greatest source of hope. He is not done using you right where you're at to will and to act in order to bring about His good purposes. God never wastes suffering. He does not waste pain. He is in the absolute best position to bring His good purposes if we are willing to act and to follow what he has called us to do. And that is what he's saying. With fear and trembling, respect God's authority. Respect what he's doing. And he keeps going. He says in verse 14, Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Oh my goodness. I'm going to quote this to my kids every day this week. I'm just going to look at it. I'm going to say, Philippians chapter 2 verse 14. We're living that out as a family. Now I don't want anybody to quote it to me. Because I know I definitely haven't been doing any grumbling or complaining. Jed, you been doing any grumbling or complaining? Nah, nah, Jed. You been <laughs> but here's the cool thing. And this is why it's so important. It's not because you just want to look all, all better at other people. It's not for morality. It's not for you to just be, get a golden star. It's so that you will become blameless and pure children of God without fault ra uh, without fault in a wrapped or warped and crooked generation. So this, is a, this is how you stand out. This is how you reveal yourself to be different. This is what people will see in you is when you're not blaming and arguing and complaining and going after things, but when you are Content and quiet and trusting. And you are working out your fear with fear and trembling, your salvation. You are going after God. So here's the concept. You ready? We are working with God and holding firm to the word of life. We are working with God and holding firm to the, to 
the word of life, which is actually the conclusion of this section. Look at how, how Paul concludes this section in verse 16. So he says, so you'll stand out from the crooked and, and uh, crooked and warped generation. Then he says this, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ. And I did not run or labor in vain. And that is my heart. That this is the place that when storms come, that your faith is revealed. That this is where you start to be able to do what God has called you to do. But in everything that I have been poured out, like a drink offering on a sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This should be a moment. And when that time comes, I don't know when it will be. No one knows when it will be. When we will be able to get back together again. And when we will be in that place, I hope that this is what we will be able to say. That we have been working with God and that we have been holding firm to the word of life, that, that God has been with us, that we've been working, and that he has been using us in a powerful, powerful way. Paul didn't know when he was going to get to see this church again. Paul didn't know when he was going to get to back to the church in Philippi. He had no clue if that was even going to be possible in this life. But he was saying, if we do get back together again, I want it to be a celebration for the right reasons, not just comforts, not just companionship, but holding firm to that word of life, holding firm to what God has been doing and saying we have been faithful together at pursuing what God has called us to do. And I think that's, that's the heart of what Paul is trying to get through. And then if that's not enough, Paul keeps continuing. And, and this is where we start to get the meat of Philippians. And you may have read Philippians before, but some of these verses are powerful in the full context. They're powerful in, in a minor context of where they're at, but they're powerful in the fuller context of the whole book. Because in Philippians chapter 3, Paul goes even further with this thought, with this idea. He says this in verse 18 of chapter 3, As I have often told you before, and now I tell you even with tears, there are temptations. Many live as enemies of the cross. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now pause. This, this idea right here, God is their stomach. This, I, I know when I read this and when you hear this, I know you think naturally that that's like uh, all the food they're eating. But really what this is more trying to get to is pleasures or pursuits. This is more trying to get to like the things that tempt you, that you want, that are pleasures or pursuits. It's, that's like a stomach pain that you just go after, that you constantly let rule your life. It's not just the hangry moments, which we all have those, but it's those moments that translate into all areas. Greed, selfishness, putting others down, blaming others, arguing, and going after people because it's the way that you're, you're naturally lent. And then it's, it, 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 what we see is this, their destiny is destructions because they pursue the things that are absolutely just pleasures or appetites that are never fully satisfied and then the glory is their shame they realize at the end it's not enough it's not going to be enough no matter how many things we get no matter how many pieces of toilet paper we have no matter how much food we have no matter how many events we get to go to no matter how full and busy we can make our lives if we stuff our stomachs eventually they will be empty and it will be our shame because their mind is set on earthly things he is telling you to separate and understand that there's a different way to live and here's where he lays it out. And this is what's so powerful. But our citizenship is in heaven. 
And we are eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now pause. Why he uses the word citizenship is really important. Philippi is a patriotic place. It is a place that has elevated Caesar and the Roman Empire as this place to be never be put underneath anything, to be elevated above all things. And so when he uses this, he knows the main pushback, the main pushback against the people that he's running as they want to elevate their nationality, their Roman leaders, their Caesar as the number one thing. And they want to put it up there. And he's going, remember your citizenship is not of this place. This is not our final destination. He says it's in heaven, and we eagerly await our Caesar, our Savior, from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control. The whole world, and all that is in it, is under His power. He is the one. And not only will it change the whole world, and he has power over every empire and nation on the planet, but he will also transform our lowly bodies that are able to be sick, and are weak, and has all lost the battle to death. But they will be like his glorious body. They will become and be received the power and the glorious gift that is eternity, and a life eternal, and a body eternal that never wastes or fades, because all things are under His control. We are citizens of heaven, and everything is under His control. That's what Paul says. Listen, yeah, you're right. We need to, we need to submit. We need to pursue, work out our fear, with fear and trembling our salvation. But don't you forget, we are citizens of heaven. And everything is under His control. The world around us right now may tell us a different story. It may promise policies or politics. It may promise uh, far-off predictions. It may say inoculations or vaccines. It may give you all these things that we can put our citizenship in and the hope in now. But the ultimate thing is this. We are citizens of heaven and ultimately we are under His control. We are under His control. He is sovereign. He sees all. He never wastes pain. He never wastes suffering. And He knows how to mold and use this. Bob Goff said it today, and I loved it. God is not as concerned with our lives being easy as they are being full. As they are being satisfied and full. And I know for me, I will run to the things that are easy when I am under my own control. But God runs to things that are best for me and are best for everyone when they are under His. And that's why I say, Paul says, we are citizens of heaven and everything is under His control. We have to believe that things work for the greater good of God. And if that's not enough, (laughs) Paul continues his thoughts in in chapter 4 and he lays out probably one of the most quoted verses from chapter 4. And knowing the full context of this, of where we've come, saying, I am thinking of you. You are not forgotten. I am with you. Listen, work this out. We are with you. God is with you. Work out your your fear and trembling. We are trusting in the finished work of Jesus. That is touching every area of your life. Don't get distracted by your desires. Don't get pulled away by the things that are easy. Remember where your citizenship lies. Remember that God is in control and then we get chapter 4. And chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 say this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He is not far. He is near. And then this, do not be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, if we see the fullness of that, a couple verses, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but with my prayer and position, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. Christ Jesus. When I, when I know those, and I've heard those, and I've had them quoted to me, and I've quoted them to myself, but when I see the fullness of where Paul chose to put those, when I see where Paul put those at the end, after he said, I've been thinking about you, I've been praying for you, we are trusting in the finished work of Jesus, our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven, and God is in control, but yes, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to know. He wants to have the conversations. He wants you to respond. He wants you to be a part. And you are in a relationship with this God. So please, do it. So this is what I'll tell you. This is what we're supposed to do in these moments. When we get overwhelmed, when we feel just uncomfortable and things are difficult and the choices ahead of us seem unpredictable or the, the pressures and, and these unknowns pile up, we have to rest and do this. We are to rejoice, submit, give thanks, and find peace. We are to rejoice, submit, give thanks, and find peace. If, if we can do this as a church, in the midst of this, in the midst of our hardships, if we will just rejoice in the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus, we will remember Easter morning hope, and we will submit to His authority and His control, and knowing that if He can conquer a grave and walk away, there must be some things that I cannot see that are outside of my understanding. I've never seen that happen before. Things that die stay dead. They don't come back, but yet He does. He has control. And then I give thanks for the things that I have received. And I see what he has done. And I, and I recognize his generosity and his faithfulness. And I thank him for that. There is peace to be found at the end of that process. There's peace to be found at the end of that process. And I think in between this give thanks and find peace, that's where we present our requests. If you see it here, we rejoice, submit, and give thanks, and, and, and what? And we ask for hope, and we ask for prayer, and we ask for fullness, and we ask for comfort, and we ask for, there's all kinds of room here. But at the end of this whole process, if you start with these three, and then you add in your prayers, add in your heart, add in your anxiousness, you will find peace. You'll find peace at the end of this process. But Paul wrote these words. He was writing it to a, a place, like I said, in Philippians, it's Philippi, that needed this more than ever. They didn't need it because someone was getting sick. They needed it because the people around them were literally killing, imprisoning, and persecuting them. They were stopping them from being able to do what the church was meant to be able to do, love and meet and encourage and move forward. And so he's writing this going, I know things are rough, I know things are difficult, but follow this process. 
follow this process. Do what is impossible. I know, but the grave calls out and says, we must submit. We must give thanks because God is at work. He is in control. We have to believe that there is peace at the end of this, that eternity is found in our citizenship other than here, and that we can trust in his finished work. But it's as if the end of the letter, he's, he's, he knows his audience. It's, and it's funny that it, it makes so much sense to me when I read it. Because I know at the end of this, I go, great, okay, so I have like a prayer way to pray this week. I have like a way to, to mentally think through these things this week, to, to, to feel this peace that goes that just surpasses my understanding, to, to feel it in the midst of the YouTube, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, and, and my stock options, and my kids running around, and my lack of ability to see and, and be with people, I have an ability to do that. But, but like, what does it look like tomorrow morning when like things are like, how do I act? Like, what do I do? Like, where do I go next? And it's as if Paul's going, ah, oh, gosh, I got to leave him. I got to leave him with something here. I know I've encouraged that I'm with him. I know that I've told him that Jesus is worthy of trusting. And I know that I've told him their citizenship is, is someone that's untouchable that somewhere that God's completely in control and I, and I know that they have a, a way now to present their anxious thoughts and their difficulties but I want to give them something that they can just take and immediately implant uh, or implement into their life and so here's what he leaves us with in, in just the verses just after this in verse 8 of chapter 4 he says this, finally, brothers, his conclusion, finally, finally, after everything we've talked about, after this brilliant poem that's laid out the Easter story, after all the ways that I've showed you, I've prayed for you, encouraged you, after all the ways I'm telling you to live out your faith and to work it out, after all the things that I've told you that you can present to God and that he will work through your life, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When I see this list, and when I read through what he is calling us to do, I recognize this, that there is no pandemic, no law, no government, no policy, no politician, no sheriff, that can stop us from living these things out in our lives. These are things that we can do right now no matter where we're at. We can live these things out in the midst of whatever comes. We can choose to be people that are pure, that are lovely, that have the, in the best of times whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. I love how it just says, just even think about it. You can't, you can't do it all. You can't, you can't maybe get it done right now, but just at least think about it. Let it fill your mind. Don't be overwhelmed with where your mind may naturally go, but ponder the ways of righteousness, of goodness. And the conclusion of this that I think is brilliant is this idea of living out whatever other everybody you've seen in other people, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've seen in others, whatever whatever thing you might have noticed. If it's your grandpa who is a heritage of the faith, whether it's a fellow pastor, whether it's a friend, whether it's your spouse, whether it's someone that's close to you, whether it's another person you're seeing on the internet, whether it was the person you accidentally bumped into at the grocery store, whatever it may be, you act it out 
And that is what ultimately brings the peace. It's doing and working with God and watching Him do and work in you. My heart is, as you've listened to this today, that you'll be encouraged maybe to go read Philippians. <laughs> because, I, I mean, we read a section from each chapter, but there is so much more in here. It's so cool. Maybe you look at the link that we're going to post to the full explanation of Philippians, and you watch that video. It's nine minutes, and you just get to see it laid out even in a more detail. Or maybe it is just a simple thing where you say, you know what, this week, every, every morning, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to rejoice that I have a God who loves me and has saved me. I'm going to submit to Him and His control. And I'm not going to believe all the articles and everything. That is not where I'm going to give my hope. I'm going to submit to Him. I am absolutely going to put myself in a place where I give thanks for what I have. And I am going to love what I have received and I am going to thank Him for His faithfulness. And then at the end of that, you can ask, I will ask for the peace that only comes when we put ourselves in that position, in that posture. As a church, I hope that this has been a message that not only Paul has given to a church in Philippi, but I hope it's a message that you hear Paul through me encouraging you still to be the church, to walk with God and to trust in Jesus, to place anything of anxious thoughts at his feet, and to walk in purity in excellence, in praiseworthiness, in ways that would be responded to and be like shining stars to the people around us, in gentleness, that we could do it. Because God is good, He's at work, He is not done, and He is for us. Though we could not be together today, I am so glad that we have a way to be together in spirit. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your continued guidance, and Lord, how your word continues to speak and to reveal. But I love the, the heart of Paul that, that expresses to a local congregation, a local church, and Lord, how his message and his heart translates so well into the hearts of the elders and the staff and myself here, that we would see us as a church be encouraged just like them, that we would respond in the same way, working out our salvation towards you with respect, with fear and trembling, so that we may see the fullness of your control, that we may receive the fullness of your citizenship, that we may act on that, to live around us, to, to present our requests to you respectfully, but honestly, and receive the peace that comes from that, and then reflect your Son's love to the world. God, we place ourselves at your feet. We rejoice in who you are. We give thanks for your faithfulness. Lord, bring the peace. May we continue to learn and grow and find fullness in your Son. In your name we pray. Amen.